Hi, Kim, how are you today? <laughs> wow, it is, I don't know if it's just me. No, I know it's not just me because I've had like half a dozen conversations about technology this week. It is a week of tech stuff and we there is no Mercury retrograde happening now. We have till the end of the month. I do not know what's happening, but welcome everyone to Kick-Ass <laughs> Conversations with Louise and Kim. We're glad you're here. And our special guest, Amanda Neely, is here too. Yay. Yay. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Um, we are going to kick off today's conversation as we always do to, to hear what we are celebrating or to share what we're celebrating from this past week. Um, Amanda, do you want to kick us off? Oh, wow. You're putting me on the spot here. I am. Love it. Um, yeah, this past week has been interesting. I'm waiting for some really big news, and it's almost like the anticipation of that big news is I'm already celebrating it a little bit, but I'm a little frustrated it's not here yet. I've realized it might not be here till early next week. I thought it was going to come this week, but I'm celebrating that it's coming. Um, it's something I've been working on for two years, so pretty big deal to me. That's huge. And that there's something, there's something, there is something celebratory about anticipation. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah. a little bit of anticipation is good, but it's like when you're like, what? Right. Then it can get a bit too much. Hmm. But True. Yeah. True. That. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's like vacations. Oh, it's like vacations. Yeah. Part of the biggest reward sometimes to get a vacation is all the planning and excitement yeah. leading up to it. That's how yeah. I, what I'm feeling. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Louise. No, no I, you, you just got me on the planning for vacations. <laughs> like once I'm there, I do enjoy it. But like the plan, I think it's it's that vision place. It's the excitement of like, what are we going to create? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, we did a whole episode on the best parts about that. Yep. Um, that podcast. What are you celebrating, Kim? What am I celebrating, Kim? Um, I am I'm celebrating that my husband is downstairs in the basement and sent me a smiley face on YouTube. I love you, honey. Um, I am also celebrating that it has been it's been a good week. There's been a lot, a lot of great momentum, a lot of great energy, a lot of great conversations. And um, I'm celebrating that I have maintained a positive outlook when my body is telling me to, that it might want to go a little slower than I want it to right now. So I'm listening to it. I'm not ignoring it. I am listening to it. Sometimes I can't give it everything I, it needs or wants in the moment. And I'm, I'm just saying it's okay. Like it's okay. And the, and the anticipation of the rest is coming. We literally have nothing on the calendar tomorrow. It is going to be a day of rest for me. And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm, and I'm celebrating that I'm listening to all of that as it's happening in a lot of excitement during the week. It was, it was, uh, it's been a fun week. So what about you, Louise? So I spent my last week helping my neighbor relocate, helping him move. And so there was a lot of time and energy and effort spent um, helping him out um, and making sure that he was looked after. Um, being a older single uh, guy, I felt like that was just something I needed to do to uh, like send him on his way and make him feel really good and, and cared for. Um, and my celebration is in that is that I have a uh, I have a job I have a career that allowed me to do that 
And so that flexibility that I've worked in, um, that's so important to me, that started off to be around family, um, has now allowed me to extend that um, to my friends and neighbors. And so I was just really, um, yeah, I was really grateful and appreciative that I do, like, I, I designed this, like, Maybe me, um, but I got to I got to kind of expand that and and help someone out. So that felt really good. That's awesome. I love that. Um, we want to invite you to let us know uh, if you are listening live or on the replay to let us know what you're celebrating as well. Go ahead, drop it in the comments and let us celebrate along with you. Um, we had an opportunity to do that in, at a meeting that actually Amanda and I were at earlier today, and that. That was, that was a pretty awesome thing was to be able to sit alongside, what, 25 people and just celebrate with everybody. It was, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. And permission to brag those celebrations too. Yeah. Right? We don't give ourselves permission to brag, particularly as women, I think. I'm, I'm not a man, so I can't speak to that. But um, I feel like it is we don't hear women bragging um, and taking that moment to brag and and to brag about um, something they did, right? We can brag about our families, we can brag about our team, we can, but it's hard for us to brag about ourselves. And so yeah. having that opportunity was really cool. Yeah, we skip over that a lot, right? We think yeah. that there's nothing to celebrate, right? I don't know how many times a week I hear that, right? Mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I'm not celebrating anything. I'm not proud of anything that I did. And then it's like, oh, no, wait a minute. Uh, I am, um, right? I showed up differently or I was able to do something that I didn't think I could do. Um, and and we usually discount it. So we think we have nothing to celebrate, but we actually do. Yep. Yep. Even if it's the basic things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right? It's not about big. It's not about size. It's just about recognition. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of recognition, I am going to let you know a little bit about who our guest is today, and then we're going to let her talk about herself. So Amanda, Amanda Neely, is a small business and financial professional who founded and ran Overflow Coffee Bar from 2008 to 2018. Now she shares her experiential knowledge through podcasting and through developing personalized financial strategies for individuals and couples and profitability strategies for businesses. Her goal is to work with people to take charge of their cash flow, leverage their assets, and increase their profitability in ways that would make their grandma proud. Amanda, that's, I love reading that every time I see it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I worked hard on that little bio. <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'll, I'll brag about that. Okay, good. So tell, tell us more about who you are and really what, we're, what we'd love to hear about is your career journey. Yeah. Kind of how did you get to where you are? Yeah. So if I try to get to like the core of who I am and who I've always been a part of me that I don't think is ever going to change, it really boils down to being an activist. I've always wanted to make the world a better place. As a kid, I loved watching Save the Will documentaries and thinking about saving the rainforest. That was just baked into me. I forced my parents to start recycling when I was really young, like elementary school sometime. So like that, just that mode. It's just what I've always been in. And so when I graduated from college, I went to a liberal arts school. I really wanted to learn all about all different kinds of things. When I graduated, I thought the nonprofit sector, that's where I'm going. That's where world change happens. And thankfully, I got a really amazing job just in administrative stuff, but supporting a grant writer at a large national nonprofit. 
I learned a ton. Couldn't have been the a better first job out of college kind of experience. Great bosses, amazing team. They just poured into me. I learned so much. And then when that great writer was transitioning to a different role, I got to take on that role. And I loved it. And the the planning part of it, the the doing a little bit of number crunching, really going after really good work. I felt really good about like we're changing the world. We're we're making a difference. And then I went to my first site visit. So you write grants, you their foundations, you bring the foundation representatives to see the work that you're doing. In this was in uh, the back of the yards neighborhood in Chicago, pretty under resourced neighborhood. And I'm there. I'm probably. 23 at the time. I'm in my little pants suit and I'm there with these guys in suits, right? Guys, literally men. Mm -hmm. And we're at this little community center seeing this program that's going on there. And I realized in that moment, I'm on the wrong side that I identified with and belonged with the people doing the work in the communities, not being the liaison that got the resources from the people with them and told the people without the resources what to do with them. And that started my journey of figuring out, okay, we're sure there's tons of ways I could make a difference in the world, but what's my way to make a difference? And started learning about, you know, community organizing, um, different ways that neighborhoods within Chicago were seeing a change happen within that neighborhood, but also thinking globally too, right, of how does that impact things like climate change and um, how we um, have people make the stuff that we're going to buy, you know, um, in terms of fair labor and all of that. And around the time my husband came up with the idea to start a coffee shop, and I was like, why would we ever start a coffee shop? That just doesn't make any sense. And it just kept coming back to us. Like, actually, the little businesses within communities are what employ people there, you know, re help revitalize the neighborhoods, their businesses there. And coffee shops are often known as third places, places where people in the community can come and exist outside of work and home. Those are the kind of the first two places. Coffee shops are often the third places. And there's been all kinds of revolutions started in coffee shops. Us Americans know that the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we did it. We uh, wrote a business plan in 2009. No, 2007. Sorry, we wrote a business plan. We started working on it. By 2011, we were actually open to the public. And by 2013, we were stressed, frazzled, couldn't, couldn't, like, my my whole mantra was, I just need to keep putting one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And that's about the time I met a certified financial planner that helped open my eyes to see just how on the edge of bankruptcy we are, let alone burnout and depression and all kinds of um, psychological things too. So it was but, your whole life that was yeah. being impacted by this. Yeah. And we started working with him and slowly backed away from the edge financially. And a lot of that work also helped us spiritually, emotionally, relationally. My husband and I have you know, been doing this together. So we were both in the same spot and that frazzled our relationship too. And so we walked back from the edge. We got to a stable place. Um, we celebrated, you know, making it five years. We kept building on top of that. And then 2017, we went through one of the hardest times in life. Um, we had a flood in the business. While we were cleaning up from that flood, um, we had to figure out how to get through it. And thankfully, because of the work we did with that financial planner, we were able to get through it and not have to go into debt or go groveling to a bank or anything like that. Mm 
And sure enough, four weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. And we realized, you know, how we're doing this business is not how we want to raise a kid, right? We didn't want to have our family exist in this space. So we started exploring options and we ended up selling the coffee shop to a nonprofit who's doing really awesome stuff on the south side of Chicago and continues that mission today with our coffee shop and with their their mission there. And we um, were then saying, like, what do we do next? We're unemployable <laughs> now that we've been entrepreneurs, uh, but we we're going to have a little mouth to feed pretty soon. I was in my second trimester by then. Like, what are we going to do? And it just so happened that that financial planner that we worked with called us and said, do you know anybody that would want to do what I do? I know you know a lot of people. You're in the community. You know a lot of folks. Who do you know that could do this? And he was talking to my husband and my husband gets off the phone, tells me, you know, Mark's looking for people to to recruit. And I was like, um, you would be great at that. You're a natural kind of salesperson. Like, why not try it? And he applied. And sure enough, he's unemployable. Mark would not take him on as an employee. <laughs> <laughs> but then a few months later, Mark came back and said, or maybe like a few weeks later, Mark came back and said, actually, what if I taught you to do what I do, but you do it as your own business so you can exercise your entrepreneurial um, capacity in branding and marketing and stuff like that. And then I'll teach you how to do the financial side of things. And uh, we thought about it, prayed about it and said yes. And we trained the new ownership of the coffee shop and passed it off to them. And then the next day we started training with Mark. Um, and then three months later we had our baby and everything, right? Like it was a pretty like... <laughs> Eventful. As one does. Yeah. <laughs> and that was 2018. So we've been in this uh, new financial life for, um, it'll be almost five years uh, coming up in January. And it's it's been a journey. Um, I feel like I'm already still doing twists and turns along the way. Um, but really also still feeling like I'm making a huge impact because financial stuff, financial matters are often what hinder people from making the impact they want to. And if they're able to build a safe, solid financial life, they're able to give more of their time. They're able to help their neighbors move. They're able to give to charities they love, they're, you know, to start the businesses that in those communities, all those things. And so um, we talk a lot about that, but then also like the financial system and how do we change that too? Because it's doing a lot of harm in the world as well. Yeah. Well, and um, we have included the link um, to your podcast in um, in with our stuff and uh, in with the show notes. And I, I will say listening to your podcast, there is I have learned so much about and this is I was a practicing attorney um, who did business formation, nonprofit formation, um, estate planning, some uh, some corporate work. Like I was in the financials of businesses and people's lives all the time. And the things that you're teaching um, in the podcast, like blow my mind. I'm like, I, it, I, and particularly around the financial system in America, um, it is it's fascinating to learn and to and to hear an alternate perspective than the just the kind of mainstream what we hear about the financial um, sector. So just check out their podcast. <laughs> Um, I, the thing, I love many things about your career story. Um, the thing that stuck out to me is that when you, when you talk about like 
who you were and how, like, as a younger Amanda, those things that you wanted to do, that, that you want to change the world. And by sticking to that, like that value that allowed you to look at things a little bit differently, see opportunities that got you a little bit closer to living that value every time you made a pivot. Um, and, and I love that. And, and now here you are doing something probably that you never imagined in the financial world, right? Like, right. How, right? Sometimes it seems like, whoo, that's far away from, right? Wanting to change the world. And yet here you are incorporating your values and what's important into the work that you're doing every day. Yeah. And I just have to give you a picture of just how far away I was. When I was born, my parents were on public assistance. They've never worked with a financial professional in their whole lives. Um, the, thankfully, my mom has a pension, but otherwise, right, like the, they've never done a, a lick of financial strategizing or planning. Um, and I didn't know that that was even a thing, right? Like I grew up in a town of, you know, 4,000 where I went to high school. And I remember there being attorneys. I don't remember any financial planners in the whole town, right? Yeah. Um, and so like that, so like totally new to me as an adult when I, you know, met Mark and others like him and started learning about the industry, but I also didn't realize how competitive it was. And yet when I was in junior high, my parents were fighting because my mom was in credit card. She got into credit card debt. And my dad was really mad at her and telling her like, how did you, how could you do this and all that? And I just didn't want them to fight anymore. So I sat my mom down at the kitchen table and we made a plan to get her out of credit card debt. And we'd sit there month after month and pay her bills together. <laughs> so I'm like, there it was. <laughs> it was there all along. Yeah. Wow. It, and it is fascinating when we think back about our younger selves and where does that glimpse come from? And one of the things that I'm finding as I'm talking to so many people is like between the ages of seven and 10, there is something that will then show up, particularly those of us that I think, particularly those of us who are, who are creating some sort of impact in the world, who intentionally want to include that. There, there's something that happened between the ages of seven and 10 that somehow, like, if we look back, we're like, oh my gosh, it was there all along. And I took this other path and eventually ended up where I knew I was going to be when I was little. Yeah. It's so cool. It's yeah. so cool. Good stuff. Louise, what's the heart of our conversation today with Amanda? Oh, today, these, these decisions that we make, right? Amanda, when you were telling your story, these big decisions, these little decisions that, you know, the, the coffee shop, what to do, where to go, um, those big decisions can weigh so heavy on us. And yet we have so many decisions that we make every single day and we can fall into this trap of decision, decision fatigue um, that can really start to weigh really, really heavy on us. Um, so how do you, when you think about decision fatigue, um, are you, do you, are you experiencing it right now? Because uh, I was doing this today. It's like, do I make too many decisions? What's going on? How many decisions did I make today? The sweater, the necklace, right? And mm -hmm. I think about it. I thought about it a lot today because of this conversation. Mm. Yeah. I, so I'm kind of a weird person. I actually kind of like making decisions. I like being in charge, in control. Um, so it's hard for me to feel fatigued about it. But occasionally I do fall into that. Um, actually, last Friday I, uh, is when I do my year-end planning retreat. And we start at like 
think we started at like 9 a.m. And by three, I was just kaput. We were like, we can't keep going. We're done. <laughs> and that was a long time for me of, you know, talking, conversing, trying to make decisions about what, what do we learn from this year? What are we going to do differently next year? Um, but part of what I've come to know is because I'm making decisions so much in my business on during my work hours, I try to make zero decisions outside of work hours. So like that vacation thing, I never plan vacations. We just go and figure it out. <laughs> so I feel like I've, I've kind of prioritized the decisions that I make. And maybe that means my vacations suffer. Like the time we went to San Francisco, we didn't go to get to go to Alcatraz because all the tickets were already sold. We couldn't do that. Um, but that's, that's what I've chosen to do. And I might change that in the future and say, well, actually I'm going to not make as many decisions during the work day so that I can make more decisions personally, plan that next vacation and have like every minute, not, probably not every minute, but you know, more of it planned in advance. Yeah. It kind of feels sometimes like there's this invisible threshold, mm. uh, right. That we can, we make these decisions and a lot of them we don't think about, but it kind of feels that it's a drop in the bucket and it's a drop and a drop and a drop. And some decisions feel bigger. Some are bigger drops or maybe a whole cup of water. Um, but yet there's somehow this invisible threshold that we can actually start to feel like overwhelmed by all the decisions that we make. And so we do often try to limit those decisions or limit the places where we're making those decisions. Yeah, it's that thing, right? It's the cognitive load because that's really, it's, we only have so much <laughs> there. I just, I hit my limit. We only have so much, <laughs> you just saw it happen. We only have so much cognitive space that we can fill up. And our cognitive load is, is for most of us, is running on, on overload all the time. Um, and so when we're then asked to make decisions, it, it seizes. Um, it, it just says, I don't know what to do. And so it's, it's the simple questions because we're churning through these big things um, as entrepreneurs, but, but even as non-entrepreneurs, before I was on this entrepreneurial journey, in my job, I was making big decisions all the time. And so when the little decisions came up, you know, what do you want to have for dinner? You know, do, do, you, want, do you want to wear whatever today? It was really hard for me to make those decisions and I would agonize over them because it was like, what's the right, there is no right, right? And I knew that for the big stuff, like I, I wanted to make calculated decisions for the big things, but I also knew it was okay to make a quote unquote wrong decision because I could, right, we could always fix that. But for some reason it was the little things, I think it deals with this, th this idea of, right, our cognitive load, it's too full. Um, and to, to get to that place of how do we, how do we clear some of that out so that, um, and prioritize what it is that we want to make decisions on. Yeah. And I would add, I know you all are all about getting below the cognitive part too, right? Like we get into the body and I'll be one of the reasons I love chatting with folks who are trying to make financial decisions on video as I can see physically when they're starting to get to the cognitive overload and it's not, it's in the body first before they even realize it. I've even had one person tell me once she was starting to feel like she was breaking out in a hive because she was just getting so anxious about the decisions that she was making. And I, I, I know that's something that I need to get more in tune with myself is that awareness 
that my body is going to feel decision fatigue before my brain does. Oh, yeah. And where am I going to feel it? What's it going to look like? I'm still figuring that out. Um, part of me, I'm so in my head. Um, I'm That's kind of where my center is. And so um, I'm trying to figure that out. But if anybody has any tips about like oh, that kind of body awareness of decision fatigue, I, I'm here to learn too. <laughs> Our bodies are wise, my friend. Our bodies are wise. Yeah. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, Amanda, like, how do you help when you see your clients, like when you see, right, that before they do any strategies or like, how do you help them navigate through that? Yeah. So we slow down, um, take a deep breath, pause for a second, let there be some kind of uncomfortable silence. So they start to have that awareness too. And then I also try to slow down the decisions. Look, you don't have to make a decision today. No money is going to change hands today. We've got plenty of time for next steps, you know, like kind of reassure them that way. Like you're going to have time to think, to to absorb what we've talked about, you know, reminding them of those kind of things often is reassuring and letting them know, like um, kind of let's go back over that. Let's, you know, do, let's rewind and do it again in a different way, right? Some, sometimes that needs to happen because that um, decision fatigue or that cognitive overload is coming because I went too quickly and it's my fault, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unhooking, right? For a moment. I love that. Just pause, right? Like, and let's take some weight off of the decision. I think that that adds to the, our cognitive load, our decision fatigue, is that we think that the, the consequence is so big and so heavy. And it usually isn't as big and heavy as we, we think it is. But yeah, to take a moment to say, right, not a decision we have to make today. Um, it's also not like it doesn't have to be life-changing, right? Um, taking some weight away from that can can give some space. Well, it reminds me of the conversation we had about right-sizing, right? It is having that opportunity to right-size these decisions that feel um, like we are frozen in place and we can't, we can't make another decision, right? Whether it's, um, I don't know what to wear today, I don't know, don't know what I want to have for dinner, or if it's, you know, is this the right direction for me to even head in my business? Or do I leave my job and start a business? Or do I ask for the promotion? Whatever those big things are, right? That we start to feel like we can't make them. Um, slowing down is huge. Um, slowing down allows us to settle our parasympathetic uh, nervous system, right? We're able to actually start to feel our bodies. And what I think is interesting is so you, you talk about taking a breath. Um, we just talked about right-sizing. Having that opportunity to, um, you asked for some tips. One of the things I would say, um, if I started noticing somebody like clearly in their head, and I see this with my clients all the time, is I say, let's take a beat, let's take a breath, right? I, I right size it for them. That's the conversation around you don't have to make a decision today. And I'd love to continue the conversation that we're having because this is meaningful and could be good data, data, Louise, um, data for you to take forward as you are making the decision. But first, let's check in with your body because your body is super wise and it probably is telling you something that you're not even aware of right now. So at, just asking somebody, what are you feeling? Not what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I just had this conversation with a friend of mine just before we got on here. 
And she went from, well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling excited. And I think that there are these reasons that I should go. And I was like, you just, you just went back to cognating. What are you feeling? Let's just stay with the feeling. So bringing them back to the feeling place and allowing them to just be in that is an opportunity to process decision-making on a different level. My problem with figuring out dinner is I'm always like, I don't feel it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, which reminds me. So somebody gave me really good advice one time when I was struggling to make a decision of um, where I was dating my husband, now husband, we were just dating. And I was trying to decide, do we get married? When do we get married? What's the timing like? And they told me, well, if it's right now, it'll be right later. Mm -hmm. And oh, that, that totally freed me up to be like, if it's right, it's right. And the timing doesn't matter as much, whether it's now or later, whether it's, you know, in the moment or a year from now, right? Like if it's right, it's right. And that's been really helpful to me throughout the years. I, I like, let's call that one out. If it's right now, it will be right later. And I want to add a little addendum to this because as somebody who, it, this goes into human design as an emotional man, manifesting generator, I am the kind of person who it may be right mm -hmm. now and it's not right later. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You're not missing anything just because it happens to be right right now and it's not right later. You didn't miss anything. You just gave yourself time to get out of that emotional state. So thinking of your clients, Amanda, there's that, that emotional state of, of fear or anxiousness or even excitement. And it's like, yeah, I want to make that decision. And it, it's something that we talk about, right? When we're talking about sales, it's like that. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Oh, I want to make that decision. And very often I know when I talk to prospective clients, I actually want them to simmer down a little bit, mm -hmm. but I want you to go think about it. I don't want you to simmer down and then not think about it. I want you to simmer down and process it. And once you're done processing it, once you're out of that emotional, whatever's happening for you, then to know that now you can make that decision. So yes, if it's, if it's right now, it will be right later. And to give yourself, Charlie, stop. If you give yourself, <laughs> give yourself that opportunity to also say, if it's right now, it's okay for it not to be right later. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. That freedom of Sometimes we need the space we, we get because we are either over cognating about something or we um, or we're in an emotional roller coaster. It can be either reason. And so that's why also taking that breath, taking that beat and that beat can literally just be a minute or it can be, you know, a week, whatever you need it to be. Yeah. Thank you. I'm with I'm with you, Kim. And this is making me want a cat. Um, <laughs> um, I've got a, Louise will gladly give you <laughs> I've got another story of when this came up for me. Yeah. So I was at this women's retreat and we were, you know, exploring different things. And um, after one of the talks, I just felt this overwhelming sense of it was time to leave my job. So this is, I was still working at the nonprofit. We had the business plan written. We were trying to figure out like, when do I actually take that leap? And I just felt like this over, and is it my husband first? Is it me first? Like, how does this all work? 
And I just felt this overwhelming sense that the universe, my God, was telling me it's time to leave your or like leave your job. Mm-hmm. And I was like bawling. I was so scared mm-hmm. out of my mind. And um, I like avoided all the other women. I didn't want anybody to like get in that mess and like skew me one way or another. Someone saw me and brought me over a cup of hot tea, but didn't like she was like, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just bringing you some hot tea. And then a couple hours later, I was ready to process it. And I found the wisest woman that I knew at that com- at that retreat. Her name was Cindy. And I told her, here's what's, here's what's happening. Please help me with this. I don't, what do I do? She's like, well, how about when you get home after the end of the retreat, you tell your husband, here's what happened. What do you think? And if his initial reaction is yes, then there's something to this. If his initial reaction is no, that might be like a, um, like a time to come back and revisit, not to like say no, but to like really rehash it together. And sure enough, I get home and I tell him, here's what happened. He's like, oh yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and then, so that was a, you know, weekend retreat that Monday was when my nonprofit announced they're doing layoffs. Oh, universe. Yeah. You are so cute. <laughs> but then there's all the decisions of, well, do I say something? Do I not say something? So, it, and like the, but the, the comfort of knowing that I was doing something that I felt like the universe had told me and that my husband had confirmed my life partner, the person most impacted by this other than me had also confirmed it. And then the timing of it and the serendipity, like all of those things, it just is like, okay, keep putting one foot in front of the other in a good way. Right. And it, it like something is working here. You don't have to worry about every decision. So it, I just want to kind of reiterate just a couple of things that I'm hearing here. So in terms of dealing with decision fatigue or dealing with decision making in a way that helps us maybe combat a little the decision fatigue um, is one, slowing down and taking that breath and taking that time. Um, two is using our body. And three is wise counsel. And I love that you, right? Wise counsel. It's so important because having that opportunity and you and you had two right there. You had that opportunity to, um, to talk to, in your timing, talk to that one woman, to Cindy. Thank you, Cindy, for, for talking to Amanda because that was a beautiful wise counsel. And then to your partner. Not everybody's partner is wise counsel, but in your case, it was. <laughs> I just want to, I mean, mine is, but I, others, I know that might not be the person you go to all the time, but having that wise counsel. So did I miss anything so far? Right. Slowing down on uh, taking that breath um, and giving yourself the space, getting into your body and then wise counsel. This is great. Yeah. One of the parts of the story I didn't tell was like a 40 days of only eating vegetables to really make it bodily for us that we had done a year before then. (laughs) And we felt like, okay, we need to start writing the business plan, you know, making it happen. Um, And so I think some of that kind of um, putting your body where your mind or your intention is, like Mm -hmm. that kind of reinforcing, like people have been fasting through all cultures, through all times, there's something to it. And so I think when we're trying to make decisions, we can also align our physical bodies with those decisions, if that makes sense. Kind of like the breathing, but also, you know, to stop with breathing, you can add some of those other things too. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So, and I, it's like, it's almost a bridge between the, in the moment stopping. Right. And um, I guess right sizing is really another part of it that we had talked about. Cause it's that stopping, it's the right sizing that bridge to getting in your body is right. Like how do you connect with your body? How do you make it ahead of time before you're making these decisions? How are you connecting with it while you're making the decisions? How do you connect with it once the decision is made? Cause that's a whole other thing we haven't even talked about. So. Yeah. You know, one of the, um, one of the symptoms when you're like, you know, decision fatigue and you're, you know, you're maxed out. So yeah, like I can't quite make this decision right now on my own, your body let you know. Right. Um, and sometimes there's these like physical manifestations, I, the things that we start doing, right. Impulse shopping and impulse buying is absolutely one of those things. Like I can't possibly make another decision. So like everything in the checkout line goes in my cart. Right. Like, so it, it's like this, this place that we can get to um, that actually um, just impacts and, and, and it almost makes it worse because we haven't dealt with what's going on. Right. We've, we haven't recognized it. We don't know what's going on in our bodies. Um, and all of a sudden we're in a place where we just don't want to be. Yeah. And so you've both mm -hmm. mentioned this. I want to come back to it. Um, the whole idea of pre-decisions, this I think is one of our best weapons against decision fatigue is finding times when we're not experiencing decision fatigue. We have extra capacity for decisions mm -hmm. and doing things like making grocery shopping lists or meal planning or deciding when I get my next pay raise, here's what I'm going to do with the money. Even if that pay raise doesn't happen for six months to a year, there's all kinds of power that can come from that. And then all we just have to do is follow the pre-decision we made, stick to the grocery list, stick to the meal plan, do, you know, the saving that we said we were going to do when we get the next raise. And that's a lot easier if we made that commitment, we shared it with wise counsel, we felt it, we said, yes, this is what I want and how, like what I'm going to do going forward. And I, I, I know everybody's got their own time and space that helps them to get into that decision-making mode. And I just encourage people to find it. I know mine is early in the morning and in a couch in a study I have in my office, like my home office. And I love making decisions there. It's one of my best places. I will say that, that the, the pre-decisions are great sometimes. Um, again, I'm just going to speak for the rebel personalities out there who are <laughs> like, I've pre-decided that now I'm going to do the opposite. Hmm. So it can, it, but understanding that, right, having that knowledge about yourself and saying, I'm pre-deciding and I'm going to create a, a framework that I can work within and then I can make decisions on the fly for what's speaking to me in that moment. Yep. It, it does significantly. So I do the, the meal planning and the grocery, like all of that ahead of time. Um, and then I just have the recipes or the, the list of what the meals are for the week. It's not, we're going to eat this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yes. I can't live yes. like that, yep. right? Yep. Yep. But now I have the scaffolding. And if I decide I'm just not up for cooking tonight, I also have some quick options that we can turn to. And sometimes that is delivery. But um, so um, we, I love that last part about pre-decision. So I have that, right? We slow down, we take the breath. We go into our bodies and we connect with our bodies. We use right counsel, we right size, and using the tool of, of pre-decision making is super helpful. Are there any last thoughts or any last tips that anybody has in terms of how to 
um, support ourselves to reduce the cognitive load and, and the amount of decision fatigue that we might be feeling. There's one more thing I wanted to for sure share. And Kim, I know you know this about me, but maybe the world doesn't know. My husband and I couldn't be more different. <laughs> we are very different. And so we, but we have to make decisions together. And this, all of these things you're listing have been very great tools in our toolbox. And we've decided, we've made the pre-decision very early on in our marriage. We've been married for 16 years now that whenever we were going to make a decision, we were going to agree on it. Or um, if we couldn't reach a, an agreement, we weren't going to move forward. And sometimes that agreement has been a more, I hesitate to use the word concession, right? Like, but it's like, oh, this isn't as important to me. We'll just go whatever you want to do. Even, even though I disagree, it's just not that important to me. So we'll, we'll, we'll do what you want. Um, but otherwise, if it's important to both of us, we fight it out and we've just agreed that we can fight it out until we find a common solution. And that just makes us be more creative. It makes us, you know, look for um, ideas that we wouldn't have looked for otherwise. And I can just my personal experience so far has been that's only resulted in good things as long as we've agreed that it's OK to fight about it. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and and agreeing to what what those boundaries are, because yeah. that's going to work for some couple. I like my husband won't fight about that. I mean, he will if I push him hard enough, but he doesn't like to fight. That's not who he is. He feels very uncomfortable in that zone. He, it, it's it's very upsetting to him. So when I fight, like I want to hash this out, we have those boundaries that mm -hmm. we are still creating and still setting as, as because we, we don't have that many opportunities, thankfully. Um, but right, you want to figure out with your partner, and Louise and I are still figuring that out. What eighteen mm -hmm. months into into this venture together, mm -hmm. we're figuring out how do we make these decisions together. Um, sometimes it, it is the, and again, I agree that word concession isn't necessarily what you want to use. But how do you say yes? This isn't something that is so important that I continue fighting on. I, I can go with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Louise, what it, what do you and Charlie have to? About. He has lots to say today, Amanda. He likes you. Um, you know, one of the things, and this is maybe my golden nugget uh, for today, is, is, is actually this, this conversation. It's actually when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling what's like, what's happening in your body, and you, you recognize that that cognitive load is just to start talking about it. Like, it's not talking about it to to make a decision. Like, that's not what this is. This is just talking about it to say, like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. These are the the options that I see ahead of me, or this is why it's, it's hard for me. Uh, and to just have that conversation with that wise counsel, with, with someone, with your coach, whoever that is, is to actually like get it out of your head, get it out of your body so that you can look at it differently. And that's what we did today. That's my whole day today was all about thinking about decisions because I knew we were having this conversation. It was like a pre-conversation, pre-decision day I've had. Um, and it's been really kind of fun and interesting to, to look at it differently. Yeah. I, um, I think it's so interesting, Louise, that you said that because we've also had this similar conversations in the collective. So Amanda, I'm going to let people know you are in the collective. So if you, 
Thank you for being a member. Um, so if you want to continue more conversations like this, come join us. Um, but we do have these types of conversations and having the opportunity to sit around. It's And it's funny because people use the term like-minded, right? I want to sit around with like-minded people. I want to sit around with open-minded people. Yes. <laughs> because frankly, that's where I can do my processing and receive feedback that I'm not necessarily expecting or anticipating. And so that's where, and I think that's the wisest counsel, right? Sometimes they are these people, and that's why Amanda, I was so excited to hear that you did it kind of twofold, right? There was one that you probably could guess what your husband was gonna say uh, or where he was gonna land on it. But with Cindy, you had no idea. Like this was somebody you had just met probably. Um, so have, but having that opportunity to, to, to verbally process it, right? There's, there's one level of processing it when you actually write it. And I'm not talking about typing, I'm talking about longhand writing. That's one level of processing it with yourself. But when you can actually get it, cause there is, there is a somatic, there's a visceral thing when we are able to use our voice to move and move that air and create words out into the world. It actually helps us physiologically process the information our brain is crunching away on. So there's like a legit reason, a sciencey reason to speak. So I will agree that that is, that's an awesome golden nugget right there that I got from your golden nugget. Well, <laughs> that works. Amanda, what's your golden nugget from today? There's like all of the things. Um, I want to highlight something we did not say. We did not say that you solve decision fatigue via online search tools and going and reading what everyone on the internet has to say about how to make this X, Y, or Y to see decision, right? Um, and like, there's a place for that. That might give some brainstorming, some creative ideas, but I love this. We really have to have a talking session with someone about it. Um, and I would say probably Charlie doesn't count either. Right, because we need that feedback that yeah. even somebody rewording what we said back to us can can make us hear it in a different way and come up about the decision in a different way. And so I like that gets triple underscored. And I would just remind people that research is not decision making. <laughs> I'm speaking to myself. Another, that is another huge like mic drop. Research isn't decision-making, <laughs> folks. You heard it here first. I love that. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, my friends, we did it. Look at this. It's 47-ish minutes of our time that went by like that. No decision to be made. I love spending my time with the two of you. And the fact that I get to do it in multiple ways, multiple times each week, each month, it just, it makes me happy. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda, so much for being here. And I just want to let everyone know, too, if you want to be a guest on this wonderful podcast, uh, is to reach out to... To... <laughs> I had another one pulled up to put up. Sorry. All right. Uh, so drop us an email and let us know because uh, we're booking well into the future already. So yeah, we're uh, booking into March at this point, folks. Yep. So uh, we're excited about that. So speaking of next week, we have... Um, too many banners. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about empowering others. And our guest is Gianna Romani, and she goes by G. And we are super excited to have her on the show um, and talk about what it is like to empower others and how we can do that. Yeah. 
Love it. Um, thanks again, Amanda, for uh, being our guest today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was such a pleasure. And thanks for teaching me some things too. Love it. Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you for teaching us. <laughs> yeah. Just before we go, where can folks find you? Yeah, my website is wealthwisdomfp.com, FP for financial partners. Love and it. Do you have anything coming up that you want to let people know about? Oh, so many things. Um, yeah, just stay tuned to the website. Um, we've got a great special report there all about uh, claiming your financial future uh, for yourself, uh, three steps to take control of your financial future. That's the best way to get on our radar, learn our philosophies, and make sure you hear all the juicy stuff coming up. Yep. And uh, we have a link to that and to your podcast as well in the show notes. So yep. check them out. All right. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Louise. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye you. Bye for now. Bye for now. Take care.